Thank you for hitting the download and subscribe button on iTunes and Google Play. This is Steven Jensen. You're listening to the Fight Talk Podcast. Today's episode is my conversation with Jeff Meacham from NoDQ.com. He's the host of Talk Wrestling. He's a great dude. He's a returning guest to the show, so longtime listeners, you've definitely heard from Jeff before. And new listeners, welcome. And he's a great dude, like I mentioned before. Awesome, awesome conversation that I had with Jeff. We talk about a whole lot of stuff. Um, I mean, May Young Classic. We talked the PWI 500. We talked Mayweather McGregor. We talked some NXT, women's wrestling. We talked Sexy Star and the controversy that she's going through right now. So a lot of great stuff in this episode of Fight Talk. Can't wait for y'all to hear it. But before we get started, make sure to check out Heroes and Legends, who are celebrating 15 years in business. They are a pro wrestling collectible and memorabilia company that specialize in action figures, vintage magazines and programs, DVDs, autograph memorabilia, and other unique pro wrestling memorabilia. Make sure to follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at HL Pro Wrestling and find them live at the following dates. We have Universal Championship Wrestling, Fury Road, that's UCW, that'll be on September the 16th in Owensboro, Kentucky. And after that, WrestleCade in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. That's November the 25th. Ken Shamrock and Dan Severn, two massive, massive legends in the world of mixed martial arts as well as professional wrestling, will be there live, in person, doing autographs, telling stories, interviews, pictures. It's going to be a great time and a great chance to meet two massive, massive legends in the world of mixed martial arts and pro wrestling, Ken Shamrock and Dan Severn. They're going to be there courtesy of our friends at Heroes and Legends. Also, make sure to check out WrestleRumble.com. They do the best pro wrestling pick'em contest out there. I challenge you to find a better pick'em contest than WrestleRumble.com. You're not going to find one. I've been playing for a long time. Everyone I know plays. You jump on WrestleRumble.com, grab yourself a t-shirt while you're there as well. They got merchandise on there too. And what you do is you do pro wrestling fantasy pickums. I mean, it's exactly how it sounds. There's a bunch of matches. There's, you know, stipulations, what's going to happen. If you're basically an armchair quarterback for pro wrestling, like so many of us are, you're constantly telling your friends, hey, I bet this is going to happen. I bet that's going to happen. Guess what? You can go on WrestleRumble.com and you can win money and serious prizes. I mean, we're talking a lot of cash. We're talking, you know, usually something like tickets to shows, some sort of sweet merchandise, awesome, unique prizes always on the line at WrestleRumble.com. So make sure to check them out and make sure to follow them on Twitter at WrestleRumble. Also, hit up Brian Jensen at Delgado Boxing. He's a USA boxing coach, personal trainer, and MMA conditioning expert out of Delgado Boxing in Sandy Springs, Georgia. That's in the Atlanta, Georgia area. Give him a call on 404-316-4516 or email him directly at brian at delgadoboxing.net. That is B-R-Y-A-N at delgadoboxing.net. Hit him up also on Instagram at BMJMMA. Get a knockout workout without getting knocked out. Hit up Brian Jensen at Delgado Boxing right now. And last but never least, Williamson Brothers Barbecue has my favorite sauce in the world. It's gluten-free, all natural ingredients, and it is delicious. You can find it in Whole Foods. You can go to Kroger, Publix. There's a lot of places you can find it. About 2,000 distribution channels in the southeast region, but you can get it anywhere. Jump on williamsonbros.com. Check out their whole line of products. They even have three physical locations in the Atlanta, Georgia area, and they can also be found on walmart.com. Just go to the search tab, put in there, Williamson Bros. Bam. It's that easy. They are a family-owned business. They buy locally, they help out their own local economy, they are great people in their sauce and everything, everything they do over there is 100% A++++++ material. It's amazing. Love Williamson Brothers Barbecue and the stuff they do over there. Check them out yourself. And with that all being said, kick back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Fight Talk Podcast with Jeff Meacham from NoDQ.com talking a whole bunch of pro wrestling stuff here once again on the Fight Talk Podcast. Welcome to Fight Talk. This is Steven Jensen. Today I have once again joining me Jeff Meacham from NoDQ.com fame. He's been on the show a few times. Uh, always great to have him on the show. Today we're going to talk some McGregor vs. Mayweather. We're going to talk some PWI 500, a very controversial pro wrestling ranking list that went out a couple days ago. We're also going to talk some Mayon Classic, the first four episodes, round one. That's available on the WWE Network. But before we get started, Jeff, let the great folks of the Fight Talk podcast know how you doing, man. 
doing all right, brother. As mentioned in the uh, in talking before you went on the air here, it's game day here in, in Caney Country, California. My Cowboys, uh, my Caney High School, getting ready to play the Burbank Bulldogs. So all is well in Caney Country, my friend. Absolutely. We caught up a little bit right before the podcast and always, you know, stay in touch with, with each other on Twitter, just here and there. And, uh, you know, great to have you back on, man. You're always, you're always one of my go-tos. I love, and, and you, uh, you rock the Fight Talk podcast gear on social media, so that's always very, very appreciated. Absolutely. So, uh, thanks again, man, and we'll just get right into it. Uh, you... You're a big, big pro wrestling fan. Everyone knows that who's heard you on my show before. But every now and then, you delve into like the MMA world or the boxing world. You're you're uh, usually pretty aware of what's going on when it comes to like the big events. And uh, you know, you know, with with something like Mayweather McGregor, you have to understand this is this is one of those things where in our lifetime, at least in my lifetime, I don't know how much how much longer we're both going to be alive at this point. But this is the quote unquote fight of our life. This is the fight of our center. This is the fight of our existence. You, know, you had Ali Frazier. You had the other cult fights of the century. But we weren't alive for those. Right. And McGregor Mayweather is something that you thought you would never see. And even you know, even as recently as you know, last year, Dana White was saying that there was as much chance of this fight happening as him playing for the Patriots in the Super Bowl. So you know, it, it was it was one of the things where you never saw it, but here it was. Right. Now, did did the fight live up to your expectations as like a, as a fan kind of kind of from the outside uh, coming in? I you know what it really it, it surprised me. It went ten rounds. It did not surprise me the way that both of them fought early on in the fight because you know you know Mayweather's a defensive fighter. He's fought in all forty nine victories. He's been a defensive fighter previously. He's he's come you know out of the gate at the very end and won his fights you know one way or the other either by decision or by a you know a, a sudden surge at the end so to speak. But with Connor, you know, Connor was saying all these months, you know, it's going to be done in three. He was even saying done in one at one point. He was saying he's going to knock him out in the first round and. I didn't expect that. I did not expect either to have Connor go 10 rounds, but you can tell early on, you know, right about the sixth, seventh round, Connor was sucking there. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's the thing with, you know, Connor's mentioned it. And, and it makes sense, though, um, to, to Connor's credit. I've, I've mentioned on my podcast since the fight, I think he did a phenomenal job. I mean, going in there and boxing, you know, arguably the best of all time, you know, pretty much unquestionably the best of our generation as far as boxing is, boxing is concerned. And, I mean, I, I give him all the credit in the world. And he, since the fight, he's even come out and been like, he's like, you guys got to understand, like, like, just to get into shape for, like, a 12-round fight like that, he's like, if I would have... He's like, it takes longer than, you know, the, these 10 weeks or, or, you know, a few months or whatever to, I mean, he's like, I did my absolute best that I possibly could to be in shape for 12 rounds. He's like, but if, but if I trained a little bit differently now, knowing, knowing what it's like now, I can make adjustments. And if I were to do it again, I, I can make it 12 rounds the next time if we were to do it again. Now he's not pushing, he's not pushing for a rematch. It's nothing like that, but you, you know what I'm saying? He just, you know, God, the, I mean. The amount of preparation it must take just to get in there with Floyd, Floyd uh, Mayweather, and then to get that deep into the fight, and and I'll give him, uh, I'll give Floyd a lot of credit too on this because he brought the fight to Connor. Like after the first few rounds, obviously he he measured him up, he he figured out his game plan, he got him tired, and then he went in for the kill. But we haven't seen Floyd do that in a really long time, so watching him actually go in in, in there and push the pace and fight somebody was was really great to see also. Well, it's, it's funny you mention that because I was watching the fights by myself at uh, Russell Wild Wings down here in Canyon Country, and I, I had people sharing a booth with me because it, it was just so crowded. You couldn't have a booth to yourself. It was just mayhem down there. I mentioned to people with me that Mayweather almost seemed pissed off that Connor had gone this far. So when he got offensive, it was like, no, screw this guy. I'm taking it out now. And somebody else pointed out something very, very quickly here. Um, that they shouldn't have stopped the fight at, at, at the 10th round, the TKO. And I pointed out, if Floyd hit Connor one more time like that, he'd have been on the ground anyway. Yeah, yeah. The 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 um, stoppage has been kind of controversial, depending on who you ask. I mean, I've even seen people like Holly Holm, who I really respect, who comes from the world of boxing and kickboxing before MMA. She, she right. even said, you know, I thought it was an early stoppage. But I, I disagree. I, I agree with people that I've heard so far, like, uh, like Joe Rogan, for instance, whose, whose opinion I really value. 
he uh he he had a lot of the same kind of points that I did were were just like what you mentioned Jeff I mean what's really the, the difference at the end of the day between letting him take a few more shots and then hit the ground or I mean the, the he had pro- he proved his point like he went 10 rounds with the when the be- one of the best all, of all time and I mean he really he really brought the fight to him and he brought it to a point where Floyd couldn't he really couldn't just sit there and coast. Like he had to, he had to bring the fight back to Connor because Connor was was really. I mean, we don't know how much that, how much power and damage it did. You know, we don't know in comparison to other guys, Floyd's box, if he was really in any serious trouble or not at any point. But what I will say is, you can watch the replays of Connor landing like very crisp, clean uppercuts to Floyd and stuff. I mean, there's no way that that, that you don't feel that. So. Yeah, yeah, fighter safety is number one at this point, especially, I mean, you know as well as any of us from, you know, our kind of world of pro wrestling, uh, especially, and, and you, just, you mentioned football at the beginning of the show, I mean, concussions right. and the things that we know about them now, it's just a different world that we're living in, and somebody's long-term uh, mental health and stability, I mean, God forbid we ever have any type of Benoit-esque situation ever again, we need to do anything we can to avoid that. <laughs> Sure, and you know, and this is off topic, but it's I guess it's technically on topic whenever we're talking because whether people like it or not, we're going to be talking about pro wrestling on this on this show. Um, you know, it just kind of to that point, and I can actually transition this into something I wasn't even going to ask, but I will now since it just kind of came up. Um, you know, we just mentioned the Benoit thing just briefly there, and you know, years ago had something like that never happened. I think Daniel Bryan is still wrestling actively in the WWE. Like I think, you know what I mean. Like things changed drastically once once right. these kind of things happen. I think that Daniel Bryan, in the situation he's in right now, with all these doctors that have cleared him and this one who won't, um, I'm not putting blame on the WWE. I, I fully, fully understand their standpoint on the on the Daniel Bryan situation. But it sounds like when his contract's up in the WWE. He very well may leave and, and wrestle the independence, go back to New, go to New Japan, go to Ring of Honor, whatever it is. Do you have any kind of opinion or thoughts on that whole Daniel Bryan situation right now? Yep. Oh, Every yeah. time I have that song come on, I imagine being in the crowd at PWG or people being in the crowd at Ring of Honor and singing along to that song when Brian Danielson walked out to the ring. So I'm, I'm imagining the scenario where people are in the arena at Ring of Honor and all of a sudden the, the, the music, the lights go down and, and people go shit. So, you know, it very well could happen there too. Dude, I love that. That was a. Uh... That was the best, like, back in those days. I, I didn't live out, you know, in, on the West Coast. I was never, and I'm a little bit younger, I was never able to go uh, to any of those kind of shows live. Uh, but, my God, I still remember watching, I mean, I still watch those videos to this day of just, uh, I mean, just the the fans. And those, just, that was when wrestling was so much, it was so much fun for those guys, like, before they got into the WWE. I mean, I'm not saying you don't want to get to the WWE. Of course, you, you know, you want to make money. But, I, uh, you know, I, but I, just to, to your point, like, back in those days, I mean, I remember Daniel Bryan wrestling with an eye patch because, like, his eye had been knocked out. <laughs> you know? Hey, what was funny is I was at the PWG shows the weekend after he got his retina torn. 
Oh and, my gosh. you know, I, I found out through the course of talking with Mr. Marquez and things like that that he was booked to win the NBA championship during that tournament. So to know, and matter of fact, there's a picture on my on my social media pages of Brian cutting a promo with the NWA championship on his shoulder. So knowing that he was going to reach the pinnacle of what was the indie pinnacle back then, which is the NWA championship, of course, is heartbreaking as hell. But he ended up winning the NWA championship. All things were well, and at the time, and you know, it's it's you know, you mentioned the indie atmosphere. It's like you know. There was not one person either in that little little uh, Legion Hall in the Valley here in Southern California, or all the people in the Bingo Halls and you know on the East Coast or ever. Every single person when Brian came out, they would hum along with the final countdown, and then that, with that crescendo, will things ever be the same again? Everybody would go, it's the final count. Every single person would hit that note. Every single person. So if Brian returns to the Indies, if he returns to PW, a PWG or Ring of Honor, I would. Hell yeah, man. And I, I think it's great that, you know, you mentioned like the old uh, ROH theme songs and stuff like that for your workouts because uh, whenever I work out, I always rock Unsettling Differences, Steen's old song. I always, Absolutely. yeah, I always, Absolutely. man, that pumps me up every time I hear it. Oh, right. <laughs> right. yeah. if, if, if people don't know what I'm talking about, go YouTube that stuff. You'll thank me later. Oh, my gosh. Well, <laughs> that's great, man. Um, on to another topic. We're going to yes. transition over. Um, all right, up next, man. We got a couple more things I want to touch on, and we'll start off okay. with uh, let's go May Young Classic next. Um, man, I don't have the brackets in front of me. I'll pull them up while, while you're talking uh, here in just a second, but. What are your th- what are your thoughts? I'm gonna be I'll be uh brutally honest first, and then I want your full on honest opinion of of the Mayon Classic so far, because I know I know you're a massive massive fan of women's wrestling. I you know what I I helped book women's wrestling promotion out here for a couple of years, and I this this was what Travis and I were looking to do back in the day: make women's wrestling accessible to the masses and I knew as soon as Triple H took over the booking for NXT and took over the whole outlook of the quote unquote developmental system if you will WWE that this was a matter of time and I love the brackets I love the matches that they have set up in the first round I absolutely adored I, I, I just I found myself loving every single minute of the first round. Now, I've not been like the rest of the world, you know, people I work for, included on NoDQ.com, where I've gone ahead and read the spoilers. I literally know what happened in the first round, and that's all I know, because that's what I've watched on the WWE Network for, of course, I know the name. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've, I love the first round. I got to see my friend Candice LeRae pick up a victory. I got to see, you know, Tessa Blanchard, who I've admired so long. You know, of course, son of a, a dog of a horse, but you can't go wrong there. And uh, people like Mia Yim and Barney Bell and uh, Rachel Evers, who've all been, you know, you know, either big names in TNA or Rachel Evers. She's got the pedigree in, uh, in her father, you know. And, 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 of course, Shayna Baszler, one of the original uh, MMA horsewomen who advanced in the first round, as we saw. So it's, it's just been a really cool thing to see all these different women who I've admired, I've watched over the years, um, you know, and, and some of these new people I've never seen before just get, you know, the opportunity to have their talent showcase for the first time on a global stage. It's really cool to see. Sure. Now I'm going to say from, from my, this is my opinion from watching the first round. I thought that the first episode was, was a really good way to start it off. I thought the second and third episodes, I I wasn't a huge fan. I didn't dislike them. I just it just was kind of it just it felt like it was just a way to advance to to start setting up the next round. This is just my opinion. The fourth the fourth episode I thought was fantastic. I thought I thought it was it was great, and I think that it's setting up the the next couple rounds to be really 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 good. But there was a there's a couple things about. Some of the uh, the ways that they've set this up that bother me, and I might be nitpicking here, but like the first one you just you just mentioned, uh, Rachel Evers, I don't understand why they went through all the all the trouble of of telling everybody about her being Paul Elring's daughter, and then they don't call her Rachel Elring or, or anything like that. I don't understand what the why you would make that association, then change your name. Well, it's my understanding that Rachel herself. 
herself does not go by Rachel Ellering. She goes by Rachel Evers on the indie circuit. Oh, so this is her decision. I, I, as far as I, I, this is just me, not paying attention a whole lot of time to the indie circuit, but it's my understanding that she goes by Rachel Evers as an independent wrestler. So when they brought her to me on Classic, she chose to keep her name as, um, as Rachel Evers. Okay, well that changes my opinion a little bit there for sure. Um, and now something I really, really like about it, becoming being, you know, being an MMA fan, and I, I'm familiar with Shayna Baszler's uh, independent work and her association with Josh Barnett for all these years. I think that they have a real potential star in Baszler. Like, I love the way that she carries herself as, like, a real badass in the ring. All right. Well, I don't know spoilers about the tournament, but I do know that there was a confrontation between the horsewomen, the fact that Shayna was there, and the fact that, you know, Charlotte and... Becky and Bailey were on one side. The fact that Rhonda and the other two ladies were on the other side of the, of the ramp. It's going to be interesting to see if they bring Shayna in full-time for, you know, beyond the tournament. And, you know, the rumor is that Rhonda is training with Brian Kendrick. Yeah, I hear so, that she's out there in Reseda, right? We, 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 we may just see the horsewomen do battle, maybe WrestleMania. Maybe we'll see Charlotte versus Rhonda. That would be... I mean, we, you had to talk about that on the show last time I was on the show mm-hmm. when, when Rhonda suffered that ridiculous loss. Um in her title match so I, it would not again surprise me if we see the horsewomen make the transition to the WWE I think that there's it's too much business for them not to they I think that all the yeah. stars all the stars are aligning right now knowing that you know Ron is out there she's out there in Reseda right out there in Reseda California training I know she lives in Southern California I know I know she just got married recently so I'm sure she's enjoying the the uh, the new wedded bliss but I'm sure <laughs> once, it, once it comes down to getting back to work she'll get back to work you know the wall, so to speak. Right, she got married to uh, to Travis Brown on the same night as the Mayweather McGregor fight. Coincidentally enough, so exactly, exactly. So you know, hey, you know what? Ronda went through a whole whole lot to get to where she was. She was where she was for all time. She's had two very difficult setbacks in her professional career, but nothing. I, t- I tell you, Steve, nothing beats personal bliss. And I, I speak from experience on both sides of that. And she's turned Travis down each other. It's an amazing story. And I think that um, if she does decide to go in the WWE, you know, there, there are money matches all over the place on that. Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, of course, uh, Maria Shafir is, you know, the wife of Roderick Strong, who's in NXT, right. and she's in the Four Horsewomen. Yeah. I mean, all the... All the all the stars were aligning for this thing to happen, I think, and I think yep. it's going to do really big business. And you know what? Speaking of Shafir, uh, you know, shout out right now on my show to Roderick Strong. I mean, Absolutely. dude, hell yeah, Roddy! Like, like this dude was, in my opinion, and and you probably watched him even longer than me. He was so underappreciated and, un- and undervalued. Not 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 from a sense of like he got booked pretty damn strong on the indies, but I feel like he's the kind of guy who must have been told every day of his career he was too small to do this, and he goes into NXT, and he's being positioned now as like a number one contender threat to Drew McIntyre's title, and I couldn't be happier for the guy because he's, he's top-notch in the ring. Well, two stories with Roderick Strong. The first one, an old personal story. Um, he had a match against Jack Evans at PWG years and years ago when my when my uh, son's mother was actually pregnant with my son and Roddy threw Jack out to the floor and saw my girlfriend at ringside and used her in a wheelchair and threw her at Jack Evans <laughs> <laughs> oh that's um, amazing that's how Roderick Strong was back then and of course he found out she was pregnant and immediately was mortified oh my god are you okay it was, it's so funny wow. I, I got a tweet about that a few years later and like is this your girl I'm like yep that's her Oh, so my funny. gosh. It was hysterical, Steve. And then, um, of course, you know, seeing his ascension here in NXT and uh, through the WWE ranks and everything, it's just been so cool. And the fact that he beat Bobby Roode on Wednesday's episode, that, for me, is just a monumental shit. Okay, this is the guy. This is the one that's going to challenge our champion. But when you talk about NXT right now, you got to talk about, of course, Adam Cole, baby. Hell, yeah. You know, both, you know he's there with... Red Dragon, and you know, it's going to be interesting to see the dynamic now that Roddy Strong has kind of established himself as the guy to beat, you know, in, in, the, in the contenders pool. Where does Adam Cole fit in? Dude, well, you know. I and I don't know. I'm I'm like you, like with the May Young Classic. I I have not read ahead. I don't know anything beyond the first round, and that's the same with NXT. Like I avoid everything. Um, but what I, what I'm gonna I just I think it would make a lot of sense if they if they were to do it. I mean. They've got that little ROH stable going. I mean, what what if Roddy joined up with those three guys at some point? 
you know, I thought about that, and I, I have a feeling that if Roderick gets the chance against Drew McIntyre, let's say a takeover before Survivor Series, do not be surprised if the ROH guys get involved. Yeah, I think that'd be kind of cool. I, I think that'd be a cool little... Because I want to see Adam Cole showcased um, as a main eventer also, but he's also, like, brand new to the to the WWE audience. And same with Red Dragon. But, I mean, anyone who's been watching him for a long time knows that the three of those guys are... I mean, they're going to be a seamless transition into the company. I mean, they can work with anybody, and they have such diverse styles. It's always going to be something worth watching, so... Well, see, that's the thing about NXT in the last couple of years or so since they debuted the WWE Network. You know, they they are the buzz. And, and you, know, the, the, you know, the whole the whole buzzword, you know, in WWE is buzz. You know, anybody that can generate a buzz, whether it's a minor buzz, whether it's a major buzz, whether it's a, a buzz, I mean, everybody knew at TakeOver when they saw Red Dragon that it was a matter of minutes before we saw Adam Cole. Right. And there he was. And there he was. And, and you know, it's funny. They, they showed an angle on NXT the following week of Adam coming through the crowd. You can see when they're showing um, Drew facing Red Dragon, the, the crowd has turned their back on the ring looking toward the crowd. So you know exactly where he's coming from. And you knew as soon as the crowd turned, oh, here comes Adam Cole. So it wasn't like it was a unknown anticipation. But even still, seeing him make his debut after being the only three-time Ring of Honor champion is just so cool. I got to see him one time, one time ever live, when he was still cutting his teeth at PWG and still working his way up to Ring of Honor. I never got to see him as a Ring of Honor champion or in PWG, but he became a huge star. So for me to be able to see him each and every Wednesday going forward, in theory, is very cool for me. Now, let me go back to the Mae Young Classic that we were going to talk about. I kind of, we kind of went off into the weeds there with Roddy and uh, yeah, go ahead. Dragon, everybody. Sure. Um, I... Would love, 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 love if Candice LeRae made her way to the finals because this is a young lady who I have watched. You know, they talk about she's a 15 year veteran. I have watched her for 15 years, 16 years, whatever it's been. I was there for one of her earliest matches, and you know, and you know, they they talk about you know her wrestling guys on a frequent basis. Joey Ryan, who is an old old uh, uh, compadre of mine back in the day mentioned on the May Young on, on his Twitter that he's wrestled seven of the women in this tournament. Yeah, it's and, interesting. And, 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 and people have no problem booking him because they respect women's wrestling. You know, it's it's very contrast to what happened last weekend in Mexico. And I, I'm sure I'll talk about that in a minute. I, I definitely want to talk about that since it's my first appearance on any sort of program, including no DQ, since that incident happened. So I'll get to that in just a moment. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, it's it's it, it's not okay what happened there. Um, but yeah, Candace, Candace is one of those girls where you know she can do anything, and I mean anything, in the business. Um, and she she's being allowed to uh, showcase her talents in a WWE ring for the first time. And I think, regardless of being Mrs. Gargano or not, she will get signed. She will go far. She will do well. Yeah, and I'm excited to see more from her because I've I've obviously been familiar with the name for a long time, and then I knew her association with Gargano and stuff like that. But I'm just not nearly as uh, in tune with like the pro wrestling women scene on the indies outside of like what I see on like uh, like any shows that I go to that that feature women's wrestling. I I just I'm so out of the loop. So that's that's my favorite thing about this tournament is not only the fact that they're doing the tournament, which I think is a really good idea, but the influx of women's talent they're going to get out of this tournament, I mean, it's going to be similar, I think, to the Cruiserweight Classic, where they're going to sign up, uh, you know, a handful of them, and, uh, you know, maybe some of, some of like, the, to- the bigger names might want to stay on the indies, uh, kind of like how, you know, Zack Sabre Jr. wanted to stay off, or, uh, you know, maybe, like, uh, who was the other one, uh, Abushi, you know, something like that, but I think they're going to get a little... Yeah, I think I think they're gonna I think they're gonna get a lot of really good talent out of this. Well, you know, I mean, I would if, if you know, looking at the first round competitors, I would sign definitely sign Rachel Levers. I would sign Marty Bell. I would sign Mercedes if she wants to work for WWE full time, and she's she's been around a long time, like longer than pretty much anybody in the tournament. She's awesome. I would sign Candice. I would probably try to get Mia Yim under contract. Mia Yim. Jade and TNA, of course, is one of those talents that, you know, you don't get to see a whole lot of outside of 
what TNA allowed us to see, unless you're a, a hardcore independent wrestling fan, which you know, a lot of your people are. So I would sign her. I would definitely sign Shayna Baszler. We're talking about the horses earlier. Um, even though she suffered a loss, I would keep Tessa Blanchard around as an NXT talent and maybe get her up to the ranks eventually. And she was on NXT. Um, she was on NXT before too. Right. They didn't. They didn't exactly. mention that a whole exactly. lot. Yeah. Yep. Um, same with Satana Garrett. Satana Garrett is former NWA World Champion. She is. She's a tremendous talent. I would definitely get her signed, even though she lost. Um, Serena Deeb has an opportunity of redemption, and I think she's awesome. And I think she got past the first round. So regardless of whether she loses to Piper Niven or not, she definitely deserves a another opportunity at redemption, so to speak. And I'd probably sign Tony Storm because she's got that that in factor, and she's got that appeal to her. She's got the looks, and she's very talented. What did you mention? Uh, is she going by Carrie Sane, the Asian, the Asian? <laughs> Because she's the one that had that that sick elbow drop, right? Yes. I I really like that. As I'm I'm one of the so like, just I don't know if I've ever mentioned it on the show or not. I'm like a hundred and something episodes in, and I may have never mentioned this. My favorite pro wrestling move of all time in history is Randy Savage's top rope elbow drop. Like nice. to this okay. day, to this day, because because I still think it's the best one. I still think that like. To this day, nobody nobody has found a way to hit it better. And I watched uh, Carrie Sane hit hit that elbow drop in the Mayon Classic, and I actually went back uh, to find that move because I I heard some buzz about it beforehand, so I YouTube or beforehand. But I I mean that's that's about as good as I've I've seen since Randy Savage. I'll, I'll give her her credit where it's due. That's a hell of an elbow drop she's got. It really is, and you know when you see Randy do the elbow drop, I mean he gets on the top rope, he stands completely straight up points his fingers to the sky, and then jumps up in the air and drops the elbow. The guy is amazing. Yeah. I'll, so I'll never forget the, it. The, the fact that you have a female competitor doing a, a Randy Savage-like elbow in 2017 is indicative of how far wrestling has come, specifically women's wrestling, how far it's come over the last you know few years or so. Now, speaking of that, did, did you have any other uh, thoughts on the Mayon Classic? Because I was going to ask you next about Sexy Star. Now, I remember, as I'm sure you do as well, that back in the day, back, I guess it was 1999, uh, the original idea from, for SmackDown, according to a lot of people, was to make it an all-women show. And, of course, that, that didn't happen back then. But I've even said it as recently as a couple years ago, and it might not go down exactly like this, but I could totally see them making NXT, or maybe not NXT, but maybe a 205 Live-type show like an all women show on the network or something like that, or even on cable, if if you know it attracted enough viewership, uh, do you see the WWE maybe going in that direction at some point too with an all women show? I think it will. De- it will be determined on the success of this tournament as far as views, as far as people watching, and how big a reaction the final match gets on September twelfth. That'll be the key. I think if they get the, the success, the revenue they want out of the the finals on September 12th and they sign enough of these women to a full-time contract by the end of this year if not the middle part of next year we'll see an all-women brand okay well there you have it um all right Jeff up next let's, let's talk you you alluded to it uh, a minute ago and I'm glad that you brought it up because this is something where I, I'm gonna let I'm gonna get your full thoughts on it but I I'm just gonna preface this conversation by saying I have never in my I mean, I'm almost 30 years old, and my I'll just call it 30 years on this planet, probably 26 or so of them as a pro wrestling fan. I've never seen the pro wrestling community as far as like the actual talent, the boys and, and girls in the back, all agree and turn on a wrestler like this, ever. Be- and, 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 and it's a just reason. I've, I've never really seen this before where what, what happened is, for anyone who doesn't know, Sexy Star, who's mainly known for her work in Lucha Underground, uh, recently was in the ring with, um, was it Rebel from TNA? Rosemary. Rosemary. Rosemary from TNA. And she had her in an armbar. Uh, she tapped out like the you know it's a it's a worked match because it's pro wrestling and she held she held on to it and she she 
broke, I don't know if it was her shoulder, her arm. She messed her arm up. She she injured this girl in the ring with, I mean, the whole point of pro wrestling is is making sure you're taking care of your opponent. It's all about trust. And she broke the trust of everybody. I'm even seeing people going online and saying, she's not welcome in any locker room I'm in from now on. I mean, it's it's this is a big deal. Jeff, what are your thoughts on this whole sexy star situation? Yeah, it's like you just said. I mean, you can't book her because I mean, if you're if you're the one who who is the booker that gives her, you know, a a a, a date, I mean, you're going to get so much heat for for booking her in the first place. And then on top of that, who's going to want to work with her? Like who's going to want to be in the ring with her? So I mean, because in, in all honesty, if I was her, I'd be I'd be afraid to get in the ring with anyone because you know, I mean, uh, you know, everyone knows receipts are very real in pro wrestling. I mean, there's gonna be there's gonna be somebody who's friends with her that she gets in the ring with, and they're gonna return that favor. So. Well, and I mean, she's high profile to the point where I mean, she was the Lucha Underground champion. And for anyone who doesn't watch the anyone who doesn't watch the show, I mean, that's men and women. I mean, that's not like the women's championship. Like she was the champion of the company, and. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And think and just think about that for a second. I mean, anyone listening to this, like, like, and anyone who doesn't know is, is, is sexy star. If you're not familiar, she's not a, a very large woman. I mean, she's pretty. I mean, she's in shape, obviously, but she's she's you know she's not a huge woman, and she's been in there with with grown ass men. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, she's been in there with some dudes that could have murdered her, but she trusted them with with her body and vice versa. And that just to the point where it's like. You were in there with dudes who took care of you. I mean, I mean, men and women, but I mean, more so on the men's side. When you're in there with someone, for instance, like maybe like Pentagon or something like that, who's hitting people with like package pile drivers and stuff. I mean, like you, 
you and for you to go out there and, and intentionally injure somebody knowing the trust that 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 if, you know in your own experience i just i can't believe it and i think you're right i don't i think she's done i don't think she can get work after this Yeah. Well, and you know what? You mentioned it just a second ago. She was on the PWI Women's uh, women's 50. Uh, let's just transition right over into it now, man, since we brought it up. Uh, PWI 500's out for the men. Just came out a few days ago. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of issue with, like, some, with, like, the main stuff, I guess, on this. But there are some things that do stand out to me for sure, and I want to get your opinion on, on this as well. Um, first thing I've got here... Uh, Jeff, how how familiar are you with with I know you're familiar with like the talent, but how often do you do you watch New Japan pro wrestling? Um, well, since we're gonna bring up the PW500, I have seen the two main matches of the number one guy and the number four or five guy. Okay. I saw their two pivotal matches, of course. I just saw them recently uh, over the summer, so I. It's it's hard to disagree with the Meltzer ratings, no question about that. And you know, based on what I've heard, or I mean, yeah, remember, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and spoil it for everybody. Okada's number one this year. Okada is the number one wrestler. He's the first ever Japanese guy to be number one in the entire history, which goes back to 1991. But you know, he's been the standard bearer of the top athletic side of a wrestling company in. For a calendar year, he's been the champion in Japan for the entire year that the Evaluate 500, which is June of last, July of last year to June of this year. You know, it's it's so hard to disagree with the PWI editors on this one because Okada has been, you know, I've said for many for this entire year that AJ Styles is the best wrestler in this country, but Okada is the best wrestler I believe in the entire world. Well, the things that Okada does, you know. His selling is amazing. Like, that's, yeah. you know, it, and, I mean, his facials and stuff, it's just, what he does is so good. And, and you know, you mentioned his matches with Kenny Omega, who's number five. We can we can give away the, the rankings. I'm assuming the people listening to this have, have looked at it or, or will look it up. I would say, you know, Okada and Omega had some great matches, but Okada had great matches with a lot of people. He had great matches with Ishii. He's had great matches with Naito. He's had great matches with, with a lot of people, especially throughout the years. And what what's so cool about the way they built Okada, it was a slow burn for years. I mean, like, they had him... Uh, uh, Tanahashi was, like, their John Cena for, for quite a while. He was the one headlining all their big Wrestle Kingdom shows. And, that, and you know, Nakamura was in that mix also. And... They slow built Okada, and they had him lose to Tanahashi. I mean, multiple times in big match situations, and then finally at Wrestle Kingdom a couple years ago, Okada got that clean victory over Tanahashi, and it solidified him as the top guy. It's kind of like what WWE's been trying to do with Roman Reigns for so many years, but they did it successfully with Okada, and and Okada, I mean, had just taken that ball and run with it, and and what they do so good in New Japan is is keep high value on their singles titles. Like like those like that heavyweight championship, the fact that he's held it for like the last year and the fact that he's had war after war. I mean, he had a war with Shibata also I didn't mention cuz Shibata has been injured and, and out since. I mean, the, he's had classic after classic, night after night with all these top guys and what's really cool about the storyline with him and what makes it really realistic to me is now Okada's at a point where, like, he's getting... He's still, like, he's still the man, but after war after war after war, he's starting to get, like, like worn down. And you can tell, like, okay, at some point here, like, Naito or Omega is going to finally be the one. Like, Okada just can't, like, he can't do it, you know... He can't do it 50 times in a row. He might be able to do it 45 times in a row, but he can't do it 50. Like, there's... I just I love the build for Okada, and I love the fact that he's he's positioned as their top guy, and it also goes to show you, Impact Wrestling, who had him at one point, totally fucked that up. You know, it's it's one of those things where you know you you can look at two of the top ten this year, and actually more than two. You got Okada, you got AJ Styles, you got Samoa Joe, and you got Bobby Roode. 
those four guys are in the top 10 of the Daytona 500, and every single one of those guys, some of them more involved than others, were in TNA at one point. AJ was TNA's golden boy, and yep. now he's the number two ranked wrestler in the world as a WWE superstar. You've got Samoa Joe, who jumped seven spots from last year. He is number seven, and he's a WWE superstar. Bobby Roode, Bobby Roode was number 70 last year because he was languishing in the darkness of TNA and being their champion and being the King of the Mountain champion. He wasn't going anywhere. He spent the better part of this year as an NXT champion, and now he's up in the top 10 again. So he's amazing. You've got all these guys who, you know, have done so well for themselves. I mean, God, our buddy Christopher Daniels, who I, I actually saw in the studios recently, he jumped 69 friggin' spots. Hey, 69. Um, <laughs> but, uh, sorry, I had to do that. Uh, that, was for, uh, that was for my buddy Christian. That's for uh, all of our mature friends that listen to the podcast. Uh, of course, of course. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Okada, Okada is one of those special talents that only comes around. You know, we talk about Mayweather McGregor being once-in-a-lifetime type fight. Okada is, you know... One of those once in a lifetime talents where he's good, he's always been good, but he's getting better every time. Yeah, and he's still relatively young. I mean, like he's he's got if if he stays healthy, the sky's the limit. And I also think it's interesting that he was backstage uh, fairly recently at a WWE show, just like visiting people backstage, and apparently like. Uh, they kind of showed him around a little bit, and it, it, this isn't indicative of him signing with the company or anything like that, but I think that the idea is out there, like, hey, maybe in a few years, if Okada, kind of kind of like with Nakamura, like, if he does everything there is to do over in New Japan, and he wants a new challenge, and he wants to work, you know, a, you know, a style that, you know, might prolong his career a little bit as far as, like, the actual entering work is concerned and stuff like that, like, I mean, I could see him coming over to the WWE and being a huge star over here also. Nakamura, the unbelievable domination of Asuka this year Hell yeah. are both very indicative of, okay, we might see Okada. If they actually sign Okada, it'll be one of the best things to ever happen because he is, like I said, a once-in-a-lifetime talent and he's got the appeal, he's got the fan base behind him, and the fact that they ran a show here in Long Beach not too long ago and they sold out everywhere, um, every show they had here they sold out, the, the WWE, the, the North American, the United States audience wants to see Okada full-time. And I think if WWE signs him, once he drops the WGP championship, it'll, it'll be something that'll be truly phenomenal to see. I couldn't agree more, man. And just looking at the, the rest of this top ten list a little bit, like I didn't have any problem at all with the top five. Uh, you could shift the order around a little bit if you wanted to, like, I may have. I'm. I'm a huge Kevin Owens fan. We we talk about it all the time. But like, I probably would have had him maybe at five. Maybe root, move Kenny and Roman up a little bit. But either way, you know, you know, either way, the top five. No matter how you order those, I got no problem with those five guys. And then six, six through ten is a little more controversial to me because. You have number 12 as Tetsuya Naito, who I, I mentioned just a minute ago. I think he should really be in, like, the top eight, seven, eight, nine. Like, he's the work he did this past year has just been incredible, especially for somebody outside, you know, the U.S. indie scene. So, well, I mean, he does some stuff in Ring of Honor, but mainly New Japan. But, you know, they do have on here, I mean, number... Number 10 being The Miz, I could see that being controversial, although he is the only true heel, in my opinion, really in the WWE. I think he does really good heel work, and his, his microphone stuff is... The stuff he's doing on the mic right now is the best in his career. I, I love The Miz right now. I think he's doing great. But I don't know about number 10 in the world. And then the big controversy I've been hearing from everyone is Ambrose at 8. What are your thoughts on that? Um, well, you gotta remember, PWI counts more than just one loss records in their in their rankings at PWI 500. They, they, they talk about overall impact on the sport. They talk about um, uh, uh, appeal to the masses. They talk about different uh, qualifications that rank them in the top ten. Now, let, let's, let's be blunt. Dean Ambrose is not technically the best wrestler in the world. He's never going to be. He's, he's a brawler. He got his name in CCW. He just happens to be in WWE as a marketable talent. Did he have a lot of good matches from July to June? Absolutely. Was he the best? Was he a top eight? 
in my opinion, I think he was a top ten talent. I think he really, he had a really good, solid calendar year. Now, did he lose a lot? Yeah, but he also won a lot that we didn't see on TV. He won a ton of house show matches, like a lot of house show matches, and he was the baby champion for a good part of that early rating period. So, you know, was he a top eight? In my opinion, yes. Should he be any higher? Absolutely not. Now, that was going to be my next question because that's something I was wondering about, and I, I was assuming that uh, – I, I, I might have been wrong, and that's why you don't want to assume things. Uh, was Ambrose was Ambrose still the champion at the beginning of the of the, kind of the grading period of this? As, as my understanding, it is July 1st until June 30th, so he was champion at that point. Okay, that, and that, that right there honestly does raise his stock automatically, in my opinion – uh, and and he, he did he helped carry SmackDown during that time too. Like him and AJ really really carried the SmackDown brand when the when the brand split happened again. So um, that does make a little more sense. I'm I'm a big fan of Ambrose. I I always have been. I liked him as John Moxley back in the day. Like I'm just always I'm just one of those guys who I get frustrated with him because I want to see a heel turn from him so bad. Pushing for John Cena to turn heel since he turned babyface. Um, <laughs> to be to be honest with you, and uh, it's you know it's Ambrose makes a solid you know wrestler either way. I think if he continues to get frustrated once he and Seth lose the tag titles, then we may see a little bit more of Dean Stark's side. But I still say we're going to see a Shield reunion as heels before the end of this year. Ooh, as heels. That's a that's a yes. bold prediction. I like that though. I, I mean, the, what I'm noticing more and more lately is all these like three man uh, kind of groups coming together again, and I think that there's uh, I don't think that's a coincidence. And I think you know, I, there, there's just there's so much you can do because like when the shield was was running wild when they were when they were beating everybody and they went on their their long you know whatever it was two three year run at the top, like every Monday you knew that there was going to be a high-quality, great six-man tag match at some point on the show because it'd be The Shield, and they could put any three guys they wanted to together. And you always had a good match. And that's what I think people forget about what The Shield did you know, initially and what I think they were really there to do when they came in, which was... You know, the NXT system was still like brand new. It wasn't really on the, on the network yet. And they needed three guys to come in and immediately start main eventing. They were like, we need three dudes to come in, shake things up, and we need guys who we can rely on having high-quality matches all the time. No matter what, who it's against, it's got to be great matches. We need this for the show. We're losing too many top stars. Like, this is we – need, we need to put the weight of the company on you three guys. And when this runs over, then the three guys are our top three singles guys in one way, shape, or form. And, I remember. Yeah. I remember. When they, the Shield debuted – Seth Rollins was the NXT champion, and there was a WWE Network. So that was indicative. Okay, we need NXT some mainstream main roster exposure. Let's not call him NXT champion when he debuts, but let's let people know they're from NXT, and then people will try to find a way to see NXT either online or in other parts of the world. And that's what really, in my opinion, got the ball rolling to make sure when the network launched, the flagship show was going to be NXT. That's a very good point. That's a very good point with that timeline there. Um, Jeff, any final thoughts on the PWI 500 before we get out of here, man? I've kept you for almost an hour, uh, and I want your final thoughts. I, I personally love, 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 love the fact that Pete Dunne, the Bruiserweight, last year was number 396. This year he's in the top 30. I think that's an amazing story. Oh yeah, me too. And I'll also mention I wanted to, and I'm I'm the I'm the biggest Cody Rhodes mark out there. I think he should have been higher than that. What was it, thirty three this year? Um, uh, I mean, I mean, you gotta remember he won the Ring of Honor Championship toward the end of the grading period. He was doing wonderful things on the indie circuit, but he was not a world champion until the very end. Right. That's that's very true. And and it is it's hard to put him ahead of some of the names you see on here. But my thing is. No, I don't think the rest in the rest of our lifetime it's never happened before. I don't think it'll ever happen again. Seeing a guy uh, do in one calendar year do WrestleMania, do Bound for Glory, do uh, what was the uh, the ROH Wrestle final Kingdom. Wrestle Kingdom uh, and in ROH and uh, uh, 
final battle, final battle. Yeah, he did all four of those in a calendar year, and somewhere in there he did he did PWG Bola also. I don't know if it was within the same year, but I remember him doing that that tournament also. So it's like, I mean, to to see a guy like we'll never see someone else do that. I don't think work for that many major companies at their top show. Um, but then again, you, you're right about you know him not winning the championship up you know until recently. Uh, I still hate seeing gender up. Oh wow, gender number thirty not not available before he didn't make the top five hundred before oh, that. That's the thing. The previous year he wasn't working at WWE again. Right. So you know, he he wasn't wrestling at all. So that whole situation is still odd to me. I I I I under I get the business sense of him being the champion and all. It's it's funny seeing the Canadian flag next to his name when his whole. It's I understand it, but I I still it's just still just weird to me. I'd still his match and I'll put it this way: until his matches get better, I'm still I'm just not gonna buy in. Now then again, there's hey, what about a guy like Sonjay Dutt who I've been watching forever, who's who's Indian? Like I'd like to see him get it. If you wanna if you wanna get you know Indian, get get some really good Indian talent. Like I I don't know. Like I'm still not on the gender bandwagon. No, never. And, you know, and, and the fact is, he's not, because Drew McIntyre was TNA champion first. But um, uh, it's one of those things where he's got the look that Vince McMahon likes. He's a big old jack dude. He's got the appeal of a literally an entire culture, an entire nation behind him. So I don't agree with it necessarily. You don't agree necessarily. But you know what? The people in the office go, we can take this guy and we can run like hell with it. Yep, and that's that's what we're getting. So, hey Jeff, uh, thanks again for coming on the show, man. It's always a, a pleasure catching up with you and uh, getting you on the Absolutely. show. Um, is there anything else you want the people to know about? Uh, and of course, let them know where to find you at as well. Well, I was trying not to be braggadocious until the very end, but I'm going to do it now. Just remember, Stephen, you're talking to the reigning, defending, undefeated, undisputed, no DQ wrestling trivia champion i've won i am uh i don't know when episode nine's gonna go up so i will say i'm eight no right now i have not lost yet and the the, the ever looming battle with great chair in episode 10 once i get past episode nine because just so you know i'm gonna do it whether people believe it or not because i am the champion um you will see a rematch of epic proportions between greg sherry and i coming up next weekend on the channel um talk wrestling will be coming back very soon um i kind of wanted to lead into something like this where i talk about mayweather mcgregor and kind of have somebody interview me and get my thoughts because i've always played better off with somebody else talking to me rather than just talk be a talking head for an hour oh me too absolutely it's way way easier on the other end for sure i appreciate that um so it's just one of those things where you know i enjoy every bit of my career and Literally, next month, at the end of October, it'll be 15 years since Extreme Mayhem started on what was then the Mayhem.com, of course, not WQ, and it's people like you, people like um, DJ, uh, crap, I forgot his name, I feel terrible, um, but people that invite me onto their shows and onto their podcast that make me feel like I did something right, so I thank you for that, and I thank you for... Um, presenting uh mma coverage and wrestling coverage in a way that you know people can relate to and understand because at the end of the day we're all fans just like everybody else it, it, it just happens to me that we have more contacts than everybody else <laughs> <laughs> well and and you know you mentioned 15 years so i mean congratulations on that man that's huge thank you and I still remember, dude. I mean, I was in high school when I first uh, started watching your videos and stuff, man. I was in I was in high school. I watched them throughout college. I still remember those videos, like you with like a a weight. I mean, we're all we're all we're all aging throughout the years, but like a real young looking Rob Van Dam standing next to you, you know, like back in the day. And uh, man, th- those are. Uh, uh, it, it, it's funny. I first met Rob in person when we did the first. 
version of me, which was now 12 and a half years ago. And, and to think that he and I become friendly enough where we talk just to talk on a, regu- on a semi-regular basis, the fact that he knows my son and was kind enough to my son when we last saw him a year and a half ago to, you know, drape the, the TV title over my son. It was just, it, it's, a, it's, you know, people criticize me for claiming I know everybody. It's like, I don't know anybody, man. I just happen to be the guy who got lucky enough to have phone numbers of people that I respected, that I admired in the business, and they happened to be on my show and got me some notoriety, and now here I am being a guest on the people's show. So again, if it wasn't people like Rob Van Dam, like Bobby Heenan, like the franchise Shane Douglas, and everybody else I've had in the last 15 years, whether it's guests or people sending questions into me for feed off of, or people like you, Steve, to invite me on their shows, I would not be, I'd literally just be going to school, going to work, coming home, having a great time raising my son, but wrestling would just be another thing to me. Doing these shows is what what keeps me solidly involved in the world of sports entertainment. I I can't thank everybody that involves me enough. Dude, well, I can't thank you enough either. And, you know, for anyone listening to this right now, I'll I'll just tell anyone listening, I'll be completely honest. Like, Jeff just said it just then. I'm the same way. Like, if... If you want to do something like this, like you want to start kind of getting to know some of your heroes, you want to you want to get to at least start forming some some relationships with some people that you admire, you look up to. The power of social media nowadays, there's no reason that you can't. Like get on Twitter, get on Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is. Get on social media, get on there somewhere and start asking questions to people that you look up to. I mean, it's it's like me and Jeff, we wouldn't we wouldn't know each other if it wasn't from Twitter. I mean, I knew of Jeff, but he would have never known my show. He we would have never known each other. But I messaged him a few times, and we we have like minded interests. It's the same kind of thing for any UFC fighter, any pro wrestler. I get to interview. It all starts with, hey. I really respect your work. I would be awesome if you just ask for people's time and, and, and tell them that you appreciate it. Because if I could even get five minutes or even two minutes, one minute with somebody that I really look up to, I'm very appreciative for that one or two minutes that I've got with them. So that's my advice to anybody who hears this that wants to do something like this. Be respectful of the people that you want to reach out to. Don't be afraid to ask. The worst thing they could say is no or block you from Twitter. Big deal. If, they, if, they're, if they're so petty that they won't even won't even listen to you just asking like, hey, I'm a big fan. Is it cool if I get to talk to you for a few minutes? Big deal. Screw them. If they don't want to talk to you, screw them. There's a thousand other people that do want to talk to you. And there's a lot of people that are nice and they're accessible. And it's something that anybody can do. And me and Jeff are living proof that like, if you're passionate about it and you want to do it, it's possible. So, so go out and do it. You know, it's funny. There's a shirt I want on ProWrestlingTees.com. By the way, they're having a Labor Day sale. Go buy some shit. 30% off, guys. I'm telling you right now. Um, Adam Pierce, five-time NWA champion, WWE agent now, has a great shirt out that I'm going to buy at some point when I get some money coming in. And there's four lines. Find a reason to smile. Help when you can. Be grateful. Don't be an asshole. Some good words to live by. Yeah, I, and and you know what? I'm going to close the show on this because I know we talked about it off the air very briefly. I've been so swamped with the Mayweather McGregor stuff and all the other stuff going on. I haven't had a chance to do it. I'm going to throw it out. I'm going to put the pre- I'm going to put the pressure on you right now publicly, okay, Jeff? And this is this is this is me putting myself against the wall too to make it happen. I want on the wrestling trivia show. I I want on. I want on. I got I'm gonna, I'm not I'm not saying that I'm going to go in there and it's going to be a thing where I'm coming in there to take you down. But I am damn good at pro wrestling trivia, and I've never gotten a real chance to showcase it. So I do want in, and I want to find a way to make it happen. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you. I said, should make it to everybody else. Email Aaron. The email is nodqmisc, so nodqmiscellaneous, at gmail.com, subject line, wrestling trivia challenge. Okay, that's for anyone listening right now. I'm going to do it. Everyone else should do it. Get out there, do some pro wrestling trivia. Jeff, where can everyone find you before we get out of here? Twitter and Instagram at underscore Jeff Beecham. Don't add me on Facebook. I won't add you back. I promise I won't. Um, Facebook's my own personal domain. Um, you can message me on there. I love doing that. But actual friendship, eh, maybe. We'll see how. I mean, you know, I'll be friends with people I've met on a regular basis or I've met in person, know my whole life type deal. 
Um, of course, Talk Wrestling on No DQ's YouTube channel, which is Aaron Riff No DQ or No DQ CW, depending on which URL you want to use. They both work the same. Um, I'm also going to be adding more stuff to my channel, which is YouTube.com slash JD Beecham in the coming weeks. Um, uh, maybe Talk Wrestling will be on there off and on. I'm going to also try to up my uh, DDP Yoga uh, account journal, accountability journal uh, upload. I've been a little slacking on that. Um, and that's really it for me. Awesome. Well, Jeff, thanks once again for your time today. Always a pleasure, like I've said. And uh, we'll be in touch, and I'll, I'm sure I'll have you back on uh, sooner than later. I, I would love that. Anytime, Stephen. Absolutely. All right, Jeff. Have a good one, buddy. You too, brother. All right, everyone. And that was Jeff Meacham from NoDQ.com. Great dude. Love having him on the show. Always a great conversation. The dude is super, super knowledgeable about professional wrestling and has – I mean, experience in that world as well. You know, he mentioned he used to help book for a women's professional wrestling organization. He's been going to shows for a long time. He's out there in California. You got to see, I mean, a lot of these guys before they were big WWE stars out there in PWG. I mean, all over the place out there. So once again, thanks to Jeff Meacham for his time today on the show. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at FightTalk underscore. That's at F-I-G-H-T. T-A-L-K underscore. Got a Facebook group at Fight Talk Podcast, all one word, or to search the words Fight Talk should come up pretty fast. You can subscribe to me on iTunes and Google Play. If you're subscribed on iTunes, please rate and comment on iTunes as well. Just pop in a five-star rating. Put any comments you want. It helps the podcast out a lot. It really does. I know I say it all the time, but it is the truth. Also, I have merchandise available at whatamaneuver.net. That is whatamaneuver.net. Got t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, anything you think of for all ages, sizes. I mean, women, children, men, whatever. I mean, you got everything. If there's a color or a size or anything that you that you don't see on the website that you want, just let me know and I'll make sure I get it for you. Um, I don't exclude anybody. If you support the Fight Talk podcast, I'm going to help support you. It's all about helping each other out on this show and you can help me out by going to whatamaneuver.net and grabbing some Fight Talk podcast merchandise. I got brand new logos. Just came out. Uh, they got a really cool Predator Skull. Um, I'm kind of repping the Nashville Predators, but it isn't a Predators logo. It's an original logo. It looks really cool with the words Fight Talk on it. And if you don't like that one or you prefer the uh, kind of the Balor Club style t-shirt I've got on there, I have that on there still too. So just check that out. Once again, whatamaneuver.net. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Special thanks to WrestleRumble.com, Heroes and Legends, Brian Jensen and Doug Out of Boxing, and Wayneson Brothers Barbecue. Thanks once again for listening, guys. Uh, I got some more great episodes coming up soon. The next one you'll hear will most likely be me with Brennan Martin, who wrote uh, Teeny, Professional Wrestling's Grand Dame. It's a great story, a great book about Teeny Jarrett, who is the grandmother of Jeff Jarrett, mother of Jerry Jarrett. We talk a lot about uh, old school pro wrestling stuff, talk about the book, of course, talk about some stories about you know Jim Cornette, Jerry Lawler, really great stuff. So I hope you uh, tune in for that. It should be coming out pretty soon, probably this week. Uh, so once again, thank you for listening to this episode of Fight Talk, and I will be back soon. Hey,